Man, it feels like it's been a while, doesn't it? feels like it's been a while since we've been inside and together. Um, I saw a couple of... Um, a couple of memes of how I was supposed to act when we got to come back inside for worship. And, you know, pastors like dancing in the aisle and crazy stuff. Um, I, I saw one that was just, I think it was uh, Chris Farley going crazy uh, in, in the aisle of an auditorium and, and dancing and going crazy. I won't be doing that today. Um, uh, that's that's not, my, not my speed and not, not my style. But I do celebrate today. I celebrate not only being here, and, and <laughs> we're all spread out, and I appreciate that, and that's what we've asked you to do. It, it feels a little different, and I have less faces to look at, but it's so good to be together and so good to, to worship in this way. Um, and yet, I celebrate the time away as well. And, and in that, I celebrate that you as the church, that we as the church have been faithful to worship God during this time. Um, whether it has been through crazy Zoom calls. Um, it, does anyone remember the time we tried to sing the doxology together over the Zoom call? It was a royal disaster. I have a, I have a video of it saved on my computer that I just watch every once in a while just to get a giggle. Um, you remember online worship. Uh, I remember ads playing in the middle of our worship services popping up, and I was like, oh, okay, well, we, we, got, we got better at that, too. I celebrate outdoor worship. I, I celebrate, I praise God that we <coughs> have had the chance to, to stay connected and to stay plugged in over the course of these weeks. Um, I, I have a folder on my computer um, that has 19 different subfolders in it of different weeks of content that we have put out. Through it all, we've been the church, and we've stayed connected, um, and we've checked in on one another, and we've called each other, and we've prayed for each other, and we've been the church together. I celebrate that more than being back inside because it was the church being the church over the course of weird and unprecedented times, they're still a little weird. And I think there's still cause for being cautious and for being safe and protecting one another and expressing our love for one another in ways that look like wearing masks, spreading out, and maybe still checking on each other and maybe still being the church in a lot of different ways. Uh, and so let's keep it up. Let's keep being the church. Um, and uh, let's find ways to serve our neighbors as well. Um, at the end of the service, uh, I'm going to have a few announcements. We're going to talk about one way that we're going to serve the community of, of Mountain Home. Um, many of you have been connected in years past. In August, we normally host the community dinner. It looks a little different this month, and we're going to invite you to be part of that. Um, and whether you're here today or maybe you're listening online later on, we want you to be involved uh, in serving the community of Mountain Home as we uh, kind of transition what we're doing to host uh, the community dinner uh, this way. Um, I, I was reading this morning just in my, in my own personal daily reading, um, and it pointed me to Psalm 136. And if you, if you remember the 136th Psalm, the, the psalmist just likes to say, His love endures forever. Right? I mean, it's every verse. It's his love endures forever. He says a little bit. He says, and his love endures forever. And, and the point is clear. 
God's love endures forever. Um, the Common English Bible says God's faithful love lasts forever. Um, but verse 16 was the last verse that I read in my reading, and it says this, Give thanks to the one who led his people through the desert, for God's faithful love lasts forever. In some ways, we've been, we've been walking through the desert as we haven't been able to gather, as we've had to change things, we've been walking through the desert. But give thanks to the one who led his people through the desert, for God's faithful love lasts forever. Amen? Amen. It's good to be with you this morning. Well, we've been working our way through 1 Corinthians. That hasn't stopped. Uh, the first four chapters, Paul was, was talking about factions within the church and the power to overcome those factions and to break down those barriers through God's wisdom, not through earthly wisdom, through the power of the Holy Spirit who takes over. Chapters 5 and 6, he spent time correcting the church in some, some tough areas and how they were responding to, to one another. And, and his priority was, how does the church be the church in those moments? Uh, a couple weeks ago, Debbie took us through chapter 7, a new understanding uh, of, of how we walk intimately with one another in a, in a marriage relationship and how that relates to uh, what it means to be the church together. And, and last week in chapter 8, Val spoke uh, about knowledge and love and how, how Christ steers us back to the message of love in our lives. Uh, and so today uh, we're, we're diving into to chapter 9. But Paul's going to stay on this theme for a little bit. Early on in this chapter, we have to imagine a little bit about what's going on in the, in the church of 1 Corinthians. Um, Paul, Paul gets a little excited in, in chapter 9. We're not going to read the whole chapter. But in the first 12 verses, I counted question marks. In my Bible, I found 15. Okay, that's more than that's more than a question per verse, Paul. You've run out of questions. You don't get to ask anymore, and, and a lot of them are hypothetical. He doesn't answer them. Uh, he just asks a bunch of questions and isn't really waiting for an answer. Um, but in those questions, Paul is defending his apostleship, defending his his right and his authority uh, to stand in front of the the Corinthians church, not not stand to to write to the Corinthian church and say. This is what you ought to do. This is how we ought to be. This is how we should act. And he asks about his rights and asks questions about gaining, uh, gaining uh, compensation uh, for his work as an apostle. Okay? And so that kind of sets up uh, the reading today. We're going to start um, in the, the last half of verse 12 uh, as we start reading. So he's been asking all these questions. He's been asking about what, what right do I have as an apostle to, to, be, to receive pay for my work and, and, and saying, you know, I haven't chosen to do that. That hasn't been my angle. He, he was a, Paul was a tent maker by trade. And so, for the sake of the gospel, he laid down his right uh, to receive any compensation for the work he did. But we're going to start in the second half of verse 12. If you would stand out of uh, reverence, if you're able, for the reading of God's word, we're going to start uh, in verse 12, uh, last half of verse 12, and read through 25. However, we haven't made use of this right, this right to get paid but we put up with everything so we don't put any obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that there are those who serve in the temple? Don't you know that those who serve in the temple 
get to eat food from the temple. And those who serve at the altar share part of what is sacrificed on the altar. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who preach the gospel should get their living from the gospel. But I haven't taken advantage of this. And I'm not writing this so that it will be done for me. It's better for me to die than to lose my right to brag about this. If I preach the gospel, I have no reason to brag since I'm obligated to do it. I, I'm in trouble if I don't preach the gospel. If I, if I do this voluntarily, I, I get rewarded for it. But if I'm forced to do it, then I've been charged with the responsibility. What reward do I get? Then what I preach, I offer, when I preach, I offer the good news free of charge. That's why I don't use the rights to which I'm entitled through the gospel. Although I'm free from all people, I make myself a slave to all people to recruit more of them. I act like a Jew to the Jews so I can recruit Jews. I act like I'm under the law to those under the law so I can recruit those who are under the law. Though I myself am not under the law. I act like I'm outside the law to those who are outside the law so I can recruit those outside the law. Though I'm not outside the law of God, but rather under the law of Christ. I act weak to the weak so I can recruit the weak. I have become all things to all people so I could save some by all possible means. All the things I do are for the sake of the gospel so I can be a partner with it. And verse 24, don't you know that all the runners in the stadium run, but only one gets the prize? So run to win. Everyone who competes practices self-discipline in everything. The runners do this to get a crown of leaves that shrivel up and die, but we do it to receive a crown that never dies. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please have a seat. Paul talks a lot about rights here in this little passage in, in 1 Corinthians 9. Uh, he's kind of, kind of caught up in it a little bit. And uh, uh, we all have rights. <laughs> we all have rights. Welcome, welcome to America, the land where we like to talk about our rights sometimes. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard anybody talk about their rights. Uh, I, was <laughs> I was at a a football game up at uh, CenturyLink Stadium watching uh, my beloved Seahawks uh, a couple years ago, and I had some of our little kids with us. And, and there was somebody from the opposing team that was seated near us, and uh, this person uh, declared it was their right to, A, have quite a little bit to drink, um, and B, in that, in that moment of of self-confidence and freedom, uh, decided to teach my young kids some colorful language. Um, not directly, but certainly within their earshot. Um, and, and I exercised my right as a parent to say, yeah, I've got little kids here. I'd appreciate it. Um, and, and then I learned all about these people's rights as to they paid a ticket and they can say what they want and they can act how they want. Um, and, and so it was, a, it was an interesting study in, in, a, in a conflict of, of what, what we thought was appropriate and, and what we thought was our rights. Um, the end of the story is a neighbor of mine called the little seating host there at the stadium, and they either got reseated or asked to leave. I'm not sure which. And it didn't really matter to me. Uh, I, I enjoyed the game much more after, after that had happened. But we get all caught up in our rights 
sometimes. And Paul has an interesting task here. And at the heart of trying to explore this, this letter is trying to reconstruct what's going on. We have to make some guesses. We have to make some informed guesses about what's going on in this church uh, of Corinth. Um, there are other letters, that, letters that we don't have. There's other correspondence that we don't have. Apparently the church is writing back to Paul. We don't have those those letters, but there's there's trouble going on in the church, and Paul is sending these letters to try to instruct them and to lead them, and it's a gift that we have them. It's a gift that we have them because we believe that God speaks to us through these letters. But as this chapter opens, we find Paul kind of defending his status, defending his status as an apostle. He says, uh, apostles are those who had seen Jesus. Apostles are those who had, had labored for, for God's message and, and for the message of Jesus Christ to get out to the churches. But somewhere along the way, it seems that most scholars, as they read through this, especially this chapter, we begin to see that, that Paul's authority was coming into question or at least falling out of favor. And we saw a little bit of that early on, right? Some follow Paul, some follow Apollos. If you jump back to chapter 1 and to chapter 4, we see these divisions. Um, Paul is certainly well known for us. He wrote more books of, of the New Testament than, than anybody else. And we think, why aren't you listening to Paul? Well, we weren't there. <laughs> we weren't there. We have the benefit of 2,000 years of, of his, his letters being preserved in this book. And we think, Paul, of course you want to listen to Paul. The Corinthians weren't so sure. <laughs> the, the Corinthians were, 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 there was at least some of them that were, eh, we're kind of over Paul. He introduced us to Jesus. We appreciate that. But we're not sure what he has to say really means that much for us anymore and, and we 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 have some clues we have some clues as to why this might be happening the whole last chapter talking about the consumption of meat sacrificed to false gods and idols this chapter paul talks about being supported as a minister of the gospel for whatever reason the people of corinth had decided yeah paul's not acting like an apostle ought to act we're not sure we're not sure. Paul is using this chapter to defend his choice, to defend his actions. And, and one clear priority shines forth. If you read through it, as, uh, read through this chapter, Paul is worried about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's not worried about what people think. He's not going to bend to their expectations just because somebody's been out of shape. He says the gospel comes first the gospel for people the gospel of love the gospel that jesus christ set forth and was the reason he was traveling around all these places to galatia to corinth to Colossae, setting up churches setting up places where the church could gather where the church could come together and say we follow this crucified Christ. The gospel wins. Last week it was, don't get puffed up by knowledge. 
let love win. The gospel of love wins. The week before, get married or, or don't get married. Or if you're married, for sure, stay married. But at the end, where do we find our identity? In the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not by a ring on our finger. Not by a covenant to another person. Through the whole, this whole series of chapters, Paul is saying the same thing. Keep the main thing, the main thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thankfully, today, we, we never mess up our priorities. <laughs> That's sarcasm. Um, we, we, we would never exaggerate the importance of something smaller or, uh, and less important, something of, of less importance than the gospel of Christ. We would never do that. We would never put unrealistic expectations on a pastor, on a minister. We, w- we wouldn't do that, thankfully. Paul didn't get caught up doing it a certain way. Paul didn't get caught up by the expectations of man. If you read, he said, if, if I was voluntarily preaching the gospel, he said this in, in, the, in what we read, then then it would, it would be a gift. He says, I'm not, this isn't voluntary. God has told me I have to do this. It burns in my heart. It's part of who I am. I have no choice. For God has called me. As we see today, sometimes divisions occur in the church as well. <laughs> Certainly, divisions occur in in society. We we have plenty of examples today. Ask somebody how they feel about COVID. Ask somebody how they feel about wearing a mask. Ask somebody about racism in America. Ask about protests and counter protests. The Corinthian mistake was eh, Paul's not doing it right. We're going to write him off. We write him off, write her off, because he or she doesn't think like me. And that's not the way of the gospel. That's not how Paul preached. That's not what Paul was excited about. Paul says the way of the gospel is to love, to make space for one another, to create space in order to create understanding in chapter 9 he really dives into this meaning particularly uh, in verses 19 through 23 four groups are mentioned in this in this little uh, area of scripture this little passage okay and he says although i'm free from all people i make myself a slave to all people to recruit more of them four groups are mentioned here jews this is the first group. And then he, he mentions those who are under the law, which is, is really similar. It's almost, it's almost like he's reiterating and talking about the same group. Um, those who are outside the law. And then he talks about the weak. But he says, I become a slave to all people. He just talked about being free. Verse 1 says, am I free? It's a hypothetical question. He doesn't answer it, but the implication is, yes, I'm free. I don't have to take compensation. I don't have to act as you expect me to act. And then he turns and says, but I become a slave. (laughs) I give up my rights. We can't understand this today. 
America has so much trouble understanding this today. Talked about being free, but then giving up his rights. Chapter 7, it was about marriage. Chapter 8, it was about meat. Chapter 9, it's about compensation. I choose to be a slave, to give up my rights. Why? His intent is clear, that he might recruit as many as he can. Lots of other translations have different words, that I might win as many as possible, that I might save as many as possible. God's mission for Paul, the passion that he had put in his heart, was to win and to save and to recruit as many as possible. For the gospel of Jesus Christ had changed his life. He said, I don't even volunteer. Christ compels me. I have no choice. I must speak the message of Jesus Christ. And he says, I give up my rights in order that as many as possible might join me. Join him on this journey with Christ. The funny thing is, in in this little passage, he starts out with a Jew. Paul was a Jew. Paul was a Jew. He says, I, 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 he, I, I make myself a Jew so that uh, I can, uh, I should read it because I don't remember it. He says, I act like a Jew to the Jews so I can recruit Jews. That's kind of funny when you're already a Jew, Paul. Uh, and then he moves on to those who are under the law, which sounds a whole lot like the same thing. The question is, how does the old law fit? Certainly there were those that, that, had a Jewish heritage that had learned about Jesus Christ, why was the whole message about, the whole, the whole chapter about meat necessary? Because people were trying to figure out this new balance. For their lives, they had been faithful Jews. They had been following the customs and the rituals. And so Paul took time to talk to both groups. Some, who, some Jews who might say, I'm, I'm trying to follow the law as strictly as possible. Others who still had the Jewish heritage and yet maybe were giving up some of the rituals. And Paul's point is this, I give up my rights. I may have that status as Jew. I may have that culture, that heritage. Uh, I, I had done all the things that a good Jew would do. And yet I give up my rights for one purpose the gospel of Jesus Christ. He moves on to those outside the law. Clearly in Corinth, a Gentile city on a small isthmus of land that would, that would open up into a peninsula in southern Greece, the church would include those who had no clue about the law. They had heard about it, right? In this gathering of those who had followed Jesus Christ, the law had come up. The law had been this topic of conversation. But they didn't know about the law. They didn't abide by or live subject to the law. And here we begin to see how perhaps the actions of Paul were frustrating to some of those in the church. Perhaps this is, this is contributing to some of the, the division in the congregation. And Paul even says, I act weak, embracing his weaknesses to humiliate himself. No. To feel sorry for himself? Maybe he's throwing a pity party, a pity party, maybe a false humility. No, Paul says, 
I am weak for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think in the city of Corinth, there were people that came into those doors feeling broken. Feeling like life had just hit them upside the head. But they couldn't catch a break. Friends, there's people in Mountain Home who feel incredibly weak. Who feel like life is beating them up. They don't understand. They can't find their way. They've lost their footing. And Paul says, I have become weak so I can recruit the weak. Some have used this passage a little <laughs> improperly, uh, right? Paul says, I've done, I do, I become all things so I can, I can win all people. And they've used this to say, well, I guess I can, Pastor, I guess I can do whatever I want. Look at Paul. He, he said he became all things. Nothing could be further from Paul's mind. This is the same guy in chapter six who, six who called out the sexual misconduct, who called out thieves, who called out the greedy, who called out the abusive, who called out the drunks. This isn't just act like the world. Do whatever you want. Hey, you might win some to Jesus. And it's not change the gospel to match the person. The gospel doesn't change. The setting will. Our stance will. But for Paul, the message was clear. I embrace the gospel and I become whatever I need to be in order to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. At the heart of this the heart of this message is freedom. Paul's freedom. What is freedom to you? Freedom's a freedom's an important word to us as Americans. A quote from one of the commentators that I read this week said this, Unfortunately, freedom too often is abused in the direction of self-interest rather than expressed in the terms of concern for others and for the progress of the gospel. For the Gentiles, they're free to forego Jewish ritual. For the Jew, free to abstain from meat, even though it's no big deal. For the Christ follower, and he writes this plainly and clearly in his letter to the Galatians, he says, freedom to give up your rights. In order to serve others. Galatians 5.13. We use our freedom to serve. I've been thinking recently. And and even these last two weeks. As I've had a chance to listen to sermons. And not preach sermons. um, I've I've been thinking about how we respond. To what we find in this book. And what we hear preached from week to week. Most commonly, I think we respond on three levels. And I think they're kind of sequential. These are kind of in order on purpose. Number one, uh, it can be a mental response. Kind of a head thing. Right? I, I learned something new. Oh, that's, that's an interesting concept, Pastor. I never heard that before. Maybe I'll learn something today. The second step is when it settles down upon the heart. And I feel something. I feel inspired. 
God, God, that's powerful. That's profound. I want to, I, I feel the sense of your, your movement and your spirit through what I've learned. And the third is transformation. That the third level of response is transformation. I am changed. I become new by the grace and power of God. As we, as we journey together, I, just wanna, I want you to remember those three types of responses as you hear God's word. And even in your own personal worship, as you spend time in God's word, remember those things that, that I think it starts with a, an understanding, something new. We have to comprehend. Second, we have to let it land. But we always have to ask that third question. How do you want to make me new? How do you want to transform me in this moment? I don't, think we, I don't think we all get to that third level every message we listen to, every scripture we read. But today, if I was to ask, what is the transformation that God wants to see in us? Not, oh, what is Paul doing here? Mm, interesting, that's profound. Also not, Paul, wow, that's amazing, so challenging what he did. But maybe this. God, help reshape in me my understanding of freedom. My understanding of of freedom. Maybe take Galatians 5.13 at its word and use my freedom to serve others. Not to stake a claim. This is my right. This is what I deserve. But to lay down my rights like Paul. Lord, help me run a race with discipline because that takes discipline in this world today that I might see this transformation take place in me. I'm going to invite the praise team to come on up. We're going to sing a couple songs in closing, but let me pray for us as they come. Lord, we thank you today for your love and for how you move in us and how you shape us and how you want to work in us. I'm so grateful for the freedom that you've given us. But I pray today that in that freedom, I pray today in that freedom that you would help us to see, that you would help us to recognize what it means, how it works, how, how we can actually accomplish what you call us to do, which is to serve one another in love. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for the times when I get caught up in the right type of thinking. Not because it's wrong, not because we don't have any rights, but because when I, when I get caught up in those moments, Lord, I fear sometimes I, I lose sight of the opportunities to serve. Help me like Paul to see those opportunities and to take them. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand today to receive the benediction as you're able? Extend your hands and receive this today. Today, may we sacrificially become all things to all people that some might follow our lead and walk with Jesus. May we use our freedom to serve and to love well. Amen. Go in the love of Christ.